You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Awesome. Well, good evening. Good evening. I uh, all scared you a little bit on the WhatsApp. We're saying now we're going to quiz you, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 I'm quite scared. No, we're going to scare you. Not a little bit. Oh, I have an open quiz. I don't have pen and paper for you. I'm going to just open quiz you. Okay. <laughs> so we have been uh, studying out the book of Samuel uh, for the ones that have. I mean, I'm fired up about the book of Samuel. I'm getting a lot of learnings, a lot of teachings from it from, um, from our church leaders, from Michael and Michelle. And why I'm so fired up about it, I'm going to share it with you today, but I hope you are also going to be in a possibility to study it out, because it's really, really an amazing book for me. So first question, and it's going to be an open question, so you can raise your hand, <laughs> let's just be interactive here, you don't have to kind of like go like, oh, I don't know, or, you know, just any thought that springs to mind. First question, what do we know about Samuel's family? What do you know about Samuel's family? Like, what is his background? Okay, his mom had trouble having a baby and she was super excited when he took Shona. Amen. Next one, yes. Um, Mom's name. That was a good one. Hannah. Yeah, good one. Any other sisters? Yes. It's a bit dysfunctional. Dysfunctional. It comes from a dysfunctional family. What do you mean with it, sis? With the the other wife uh, taunting. What happened? What happened there? Sorry. What happened with Penana? What did she? She was do? taunting uh, Hannah because she couldn't have children, yeah. and just rubbed the fact that she could on her. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. What else do we know? No razor could touch his head. Okay, what does yeah. it mean? What does um, it mean? He was dedicated to be a Nazarite. Okay, well yeah. done. And what is a Nazarite? What is that? It's somebody that's taken a vow to God. So part of the right, sorry, shaving yeah. is part of it. You don't drink wine until... So it could be your whole life. Yeah. Or it could be for a, a particular period. Come on, sis. Yeah, he was dedicated to the temple and he was raised in the temple by a kind of evil priest. Yeah. What's the first name? Um, of the priest? Yeah. Eli. 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 Come on, sis. Okay. <laughs> did, uh, did, did someone have brothers or sisters? Did Hannah got more children? Yes. 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 What else do we know about Samuel's family? Was his, who was his father? Was his father's not mentioned yet. Elkanah was his father. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who is, what is Elkanah's background? Where is he from? He's a Levite. He's a Levite. Yeah, he's a Levite. Yeah. Okay, what's a Levite? They are the keepers of the tent. Oh, the ark, they protect the ark of the covenant and they are also priests in the temple. Yeah, wow, God's people, okay. Sorry? They sing, yes. Yes, God, they're God's people, come on. Great, great, okay. So, um, in chapter one, we can kind of like break the book down, um, book of Samuel down, in in some following parts. Book, um, chapter number one, it starts with a certain man. God starts everything with just small beginnings, just a certain man, and then he uses people. And they kind of like call the chapter the birth of a new nation. God starts something with a little baby. In chapter 1, he describes the birth of Samuel. And in the Old Testament, we see the birth of Samuel. In the New Testament, who do we have? Birth of Jesus. Birth of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> chapter 2 and 3, you can kind of go, okay, this is the growth and the call of God. So when you study out, you know, you can kind of like look a little bit about the chapters, breaking them down together. 
And even in the beginning of chapter 3, it's very special. It says the word of God was rare. And in the end of chapter 3, with Samuel being raised up, it says God's word came to all Israel through Samuel. Imagine how special you know, God used Samuel to just change um, the, the God's word from being rare to being spread all over. Yeah. Imagine that being your life, yeah. to being used like that. And then chapter 4 to 7 is kind of about the full-time ministry. Samuel made such an impact in answering the call of God in uh, chapter 3 that it kind of like full-time ministry is like that, isn't it? Like serving God full-time. If you are called, how are you responding? Do you hear God speaking to you and what God is saying? Um, Chapter 8 to 12, you can kind of see that's changed. Chapter 13 to 16 is like about rejecting God. Chapter 17 to 31... Um, you can give it two titles, depending on um, where you're at in life. The first title could be David's testing, his trust, his training, and his triumph. <laughs> or you could see it as Saul's sin, Saul's self-interest, or Saul's suicide. So the book of Samuel is actually kind of like noticed it where I'm going. It's kind of a foreshadowing of Jesus. Because it has Jesus all over it. A few things. Samuel is a prophet, a priest. And a king or a judge, you can call it both ways. And he would take on these three different roles. But Jesus takes all three roles when he walked the earth. David is um, also mentioned, obviously, in, in First and Second Samuel, where it plays a big part of, of, of the story. He was also a shepherd, took care of people, and he became a king. I know where David was born. It's very quiet now. When? Bethlehem. Yeah, where he was born. Sorry. So, if you find it sometimes hard like to relate the Old Testament with the New Testament, it's kind of like the Old Testament has Jesus written all over. And especially also in the books of Samuel, it is so, we can just so see Jesus through everything that is even written in there. Jesus is God's plan for salvation. Amen. Since the beginning, since Genesis, we can read it. So I just want to encourage you to really also see Jesus through the books in the Old Testament. And really dig deep because it's really, it just gives us so much uh, information and so much knowledge about God's bigger picture of Jesus within even the Old Testament. The foreshadowing, the, the prophecies, just the, the everything that adds up to his coming. Mm-hmm. Amen? Yeah. Question number two. In chapter three, Samuel answers the call of God. What does he say? I'm picking your back. Oh. <laughs> what does it say? We will say. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You have to raise your hand. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I already. Here I am. Call me. I don't yeah, know. here I am. Yeah. That's what you said first, and then you go see. Yeah. So he says, "Here I am." Verse four. So this is First Samuel chapter three, verse four. He says, "Here I am." So here's God calling. But he's still a little boy. Does anybody have an idea how old he is at this moment? Twelve. Around twelve, yeah. yeah. He got called around twelve. Great job. So around twelve, he says, here I am. But he doesn't know God yet. He doesn't know God is calling him. But I have this question for you. Who in the Bible responded in the same way, with the same exact words? Here I am. Let's try to guess all five. So there are five people Isaiah. in the Bible. Isaiah. Okay, it's not like the same way. Isaiah is yeah. one. Good. That's one. Here I am. And if you want to write it down, it's Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, okay. verse 8. Hold on. No, you don't have to. But it's oh. just if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, more, four more. Who responded in the Bible? Here I am. God's calling. Here I am. I think Moses. 
Moses did. Yes. No. It is in Exodus oh, yes. 3, verse 4. Yes. No, so it's not Ezekiel. Oh, it's not one of them. Jeremiah? Three more to go. I think Joshua? No. No. Jeremiah? Is it still in the Old Testament? Oh, There's one in the New Testament, four in the Old So we have Isaiah and Moses, two more in the Old Testament. Paul? Not Paul. No. Hosea. I'm listening. Jesus. Abraham. Genesis 22, verse 1. How many more in the Old Testament? One more. One more. I feel like Jonah came around somehow. No? No. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. Noah? No. Sorry. Noah? Noah. John, the book of First John is all the way in the back of the Bible, mm-hmm. chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse 3 to 6. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. First John, chapter 2, verse 3 to 6. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Now, him, Jesus, but Jesus came from God. So um, I'll show you a, a Bible scripture later where this actually can tell us this is God and Jesus. So how to have a great relationship with God, what does it say? We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Uh-oh. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. 
This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Does it say there, like, oh, you can maybe kind of live a little bit like Jesus no, did? No. no. Must. You must live like Jesus. It's a command again. You must do this. Like, you must live as he did. So point number one. If you want a great relationship with God, you must live as Jesus did. Point number one. If you want a great relationship with God, you must live as Jesus did. And it is the whole package. The obeying, the doing all the commandments. So question, how much are you living like Jesus? And is it your goal, your life purpose as a Christian, as a follower of the Son of God, who is the way to God, amen? Amen. Which is the way, the truth, and the light. How much is it of your life purpose to imitate it? To be like Jesus, to live like Jesus. How much are you doing that? Or are you living your life your way? You just call yourself Christian or just call yourself a disciple because you go to all the church meetings. Jesus says he is the way. So his way is not our own way. Therefore, we have to change. Amen? (laughs) If we change, then we can change this world. To make this world a better place, to make a difference, as saying we are a follower of Jesus, a great teacher, we need to show it with our lives that we are different. But we're not born that way. But the Bible does say we have been born again, amen? Amen. So if we're born again, and we choose to follow Jesus as this great teacher, and want to imitate him and live as he did, to have that great relationship with God, we need to change. We need to really make changes. And we are a Bible church, so we really have these... You know, tight groups with one another to challenge each other to change. Yeah. Amen. Like a lot of us feel sometimes the pressure from work, from outside, but we definitely also sometimes feel the pressure of other sisters. Like, since you really got to change in this area, or you really got to do this. And we we like to like pressure and kind of like put some 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 pressure because they say things under pressure. They always they get made stronger. Amen. Amen. So the change is uh, not a scary thing. But it is necessary for growth. Turn to John chapter 12. To John chapter 12. The book of John, the Apostle John. And we're going to look at chapter 12. (laughs) From verse 43, I'm going to read up to verse 50. In 43, it says, For they love human praise more than praise from God. Do you follow people or do you follow God? Is your motivation God's praise, or is it praise from people? You cannot have a great relationship with God if you are not the follower of Jesus' teachings. Verse 44. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in in me only, but in the one who sends me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sends me. And to have a good relationship with God is only way through Jesus following him. Verse 46. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Mm-hmm. Now the book of James tells us faith without deeds is dead faith. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't only speaks about believing and we're good. Now we need to follow Jesus. 
be like Jesus. That's how we have a great relationship with God. That's how we can be the light. Because Jesus was the light. So living like Jesus, becoming like Jesus, imitating Jesus means we're becoming the light. Amen? Amen. So you also see if we don't do that, you don't become the light. And you stay in darkness. Okay, verse 48. There is a judge. Sorry, uh, verse 47. If anyone hears my word but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. So Jesus gives us some grace. It's like, okay, it's up to you. It's your choice. I give you my words, but it's up to you if you keep them or not. I won't judge you, for did I, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So he gives us all these words. The Bible is just there for us to really study out and to really look at what he wants for us. How to follow Jesus, how to imitate him. But he does say that... You know, he's not our judge. It's like not that someone's going to like, oh, you're not doing the right thing. We can do that with each other, amen? (laughs) It's not Jesus. But in verse 48, it says that it is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I've spoken will condemn them at the last day. And that is verse 49. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. Jesus got a job. He got a mission from God. It's like God commanded Jesus to say those things. So when you don't agree with something that Jesus actually says, like Matthew 28, you know, the Great Commission, go and get more people like me, more followers, which is the Great Commission of Jesus. If you don't, you're like, oh, Jesus' teachings are difficult, you know, to, to really pursue this and go after. But it's God's words. It's God's mission for you. So how to have a great relationship with God is to do exactly as Jesus said, yeah. as he commanded. <coughs> Verse 50, I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Wow, amen. amen. So this is God. How do you have a great relationship with God? You need to be an imitator of Jesus' teachings. Okay, I'm going to give you a personal example about my judo life. So when I I was younger, not that young, but (laughs) not that old, when I was younger, (laughs) no, actually I started at the age of four, so uh, my father was a teacher, a judo teacher, so I just ran around the the dojo and the tatami, tatami is called the judo mat. And I was running around as a little one, and I just already saw all the all the games and all the, the kind of like what you see animals doing as well, like they're wrestling around. Mm. Really enjoyed when I was younger. But I started doing tournaments from the age of six, seven. Yeah, kind of that age started. Like you understood the rules, and judo is about throwing the other person down. Like you have your opponents, and then you throw your opponents on their back, and if they land on their back, you win. Like kind of fall on their back. That's kind of, so it's a very uh, direct sport whereby, okay, you're on your back like a dog, okay, I surrender. <laughs> kind of like, you know, wow. you right away know the dog, when he's on his back, he right away knows you're, you're okay, you're stronger than me, I'm on my back, I submit. Yeah. It's kind of like how they say it in the army when you used to fight, yield. Yeah. It's like surrender, I, I'm your, you're your bigger one. <laughs> so it's kind of you know, it's kind of the same. You kind of know right away when you when you're the stronger one or when you when you lose. Now, so since very young, it was <laughs> was really drilled in me, trained in me that losing is not an option. You want to win. Yeah. You want to be the stronger one. You don't want to be on your back. It's really a good feeling if you can get someone else on their back. <laughs> 
but into going through this, um, it's really, yeah, you really get made toughened. Um, and I also really understood when I was doing like uh, national uh, competitions more on, like as a teenager, so in the age between 14 and 20, that um, it really cost a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> it was to be the winner, to win the competition. Everybody wanted to win, obviously. Nobody wanted to be like on their back thrown because, yeah. It didn't really hurt her, but it was also not nice. It got it like bang on the, on the top of me on the mat, like really thrown quite forcefully. So you'd rather throw someone than be thrown. <laughs> so you better make sure that you're like have the strength in and that you go all in with passion as well. You want to win. So with this, I kind of like I learned what it took to really want something, to really want to win, and make sure you're not on your back. And, I, I, and it reminds me as well as uh, Hannah in First Animal Chapter 1, where she really wanted something. She really wanted the sun. Mm-hmm. Now, if you really want something, let's say you really want to follow Jesus, who you really want to follow Jesus, yeah. and I have a great relationship with God. Yeah. Amen. If you really want to go after something, it's going to cost you something. Yeah. It's going to cost you some sweat. Yeah. Maybe some blood. <laughs> I don't know about the blood, but maybe you never know. Get some cuts or scrapes along the way. Sometimes when I rush outside of the house, I scrape my hand and like, oh, okay, ouch, and then just run out. Can happen. But and also some a lot of tears, a lot of tears. But you're gonna be like changed and molded into the teachings of Jesus. We're not born this way. So what Hannah did, and what I did many times, was also crying. Really emotional crying. Hannah cried because four years long she couldn't get children and she was really tormented by Fenina who had children. And then the thing that Hannah really deeply desired was just also to have a child. She cried so much until the moment of brokenness. I really think that God wants us to show us here um, that she got broken. She didn't got bitter. You see the difference between broken and bitter? Sometimes we can get um, really bitter that we can get a hard heart. Something is not working, so we're stuck. It's like a bitterness, like wall. In judo, I got so ticked off, like made angry by not being able to be stronger sometimes in the training than the other person, that that kind of got me broken. I felt like this is it. Now it's really gonna done. I'm gonna just throw you on the floor. It's done with it. <laughs> like this anger, this righteous anger, not an anger. Because if you don't have a righteous anger, if it would just be an anger, I, would, I think I would have made it. Like now I'm done with you. I would have been like start biting or <laughs> doing something that is actually not allowed in judo. No, it's getting mad and really fighting for that you do want to overcome it, that you do want to win. And Hannah did this as well. She didn't got mad, but she cried, and she gave it her all, like really poured it out, everything that she had within her. We really must understand that if we want to go after a change, and we want to change something, then there's a difference between how you do it. Being hard about it, nothing changed. But being broken, like really pushing for it, really going after it. Then, in the end, that person hit the floor and was like, finally, <laughs> <laughs> And the next match, of course, I got someone stronger and I had to do it all over. <laughs> <laughs> <And> it's training. <laughs> it's training, I bet. Yeah. 
so we really need to get to the point of that we are done with something like so mad at it that it will change us mm-hmm. we need to get so mad at comfort for example because yeah. comfort stops most people in this world from changing yeah. and we're comfortable that's our biggest issue that's our biggest yeah. sin actually our biggest struggle is comfort in this life I mean we have everything in England we, we won't have the life like in Africa where you know where they have to fight for food and you know and they live a much tougher life we have comfort so our biggest struggle is to deal with that worldly comfort. But if we are not really pushing it to change, that, that brokenness about it, be done with, don't want to be comforted anymore, I want to change this, nothing is going to happen. And we need to really get to that brokenness. Yeah. <laughs> and you can think about my judo story when you were like, <laughs> in prayer, okay, I want to hate this laziness of myself, I don't want it anymore, I'm going to cry about it, I'm going to change it. I just got broken about it and I'm going to change it. <laughs> think about judo when you're going to force me uh, go and conquer that one. <laughs> you don't want to have Satan win because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sorry, <I'm> just <laughs> Um, Satan actually um, before I go into this point this is really key the difference between people that have what they want and people that don't have what they want is that the people that have it they just wanted a little bit more they worked for it mm-hmm. and so they got it you see the, the difference so if you don't have what you really want to go after mm-hmm. you just want it a little bit more mm-hmm. really going after it and don't just say it, you need to live it out. You need to really show it with your life that you really want it. You really want to change it. Don't just say it. Mm-hmm. What about Satan? Satan is such a liar. Um, my point number two is if you want a great relationship with God, you must become a true worshiper and stop being religious. Mm-hmm. And for true worship, you can write down John 4, 23, John 8, 31 to 32. I'm going to show you something which really blew my mind. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 4. So point number two, you want a great relationship with God. You still want a great relationship with God? Amen. You must stop being religious and you must become a true worshiper. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I want to show you here that the devil is actually... The, the, the best at deceiving us in, in religion. Like he is kind of like just the, 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 the master in false religion. So m- most of the time we think like Satan, no, he's like of the world. He doesn't have anything to do with religion. Satan is super religious. I mean, he came from heaven. He was there. He experienced yeah. it all. Yeah. He was a music singer in heaven. He is super religious. Matthew chapter 4. First one. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, You see here how he's also described as a tempter? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we can tempt it in our comfort. It's like yeah. when you struggle with comfort. It's tempting. It's Satan. Yeah. Satan is tempting you daily. Yeah. Maybe even hourly. Like he comes in, oh, you want to change? I'm going to tempt you. Look at those blankets. Look at those <laughs> And then you got to wrestle with your blanket. It's like, no blanket. I don't want blanket. Don't leave me alone, blanket. I want to change. We're going to be struggling and tempted by your blanket, baby. 
need to have a great relationship with God, living the life as Jesus, to be able to fight off the devil. And you must be true. And two, must be a true worshiper. Have a true good relationship with God, with Jesus. And don't be religious. Stop just going attending meetings and say, yeah, but I've been attending all the church meetings and I've been doing this and I've been doing that. Yes, but how is your relationship with God? Because it's not only about the religious things that we do that make us have a great relationship with God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Turn your Bible to First John, chapter 2. We're going to go back to First John. First John tells you another conflicting part about what God doesn't like. Because um, what we just sorry, what we just read in uh, Matthew is sorry, just to finish up there. Um, Matthew chapter four. You can turn to First John. That's fine. But let me just finish up. It says again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdom of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. <laughs> the comfort we were speaking about, that is also in our church. Our church also, we also have a lot of people that are feeling comfortable, that are struggling with changing and being more like Jesus, because we struggle with the things of the world. And therefore I want to turn to First John chapter 2, because what is so comfortable about the world, but what does God say about it? Because remember... Having a great relationship with God is knowing what God loves mm-hmm. and knowing what he doesn't love, yeah. what he doesn't like. So 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, 15 to 17, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. <clears throat> for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, especially the pride of life. I know we know all about that. The pride of life is like just liking things, just enjoying them. But it says it comes not from the Father. It comes not from God. It comes from the world. The world and its desires will pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Wow. So, Living like Jesus did is the commandment of God. Living, doing the will of God will give us eternal life. And again, if we call ourselves Christians, followers of Jesus, the greatest teacher ever, disciples even, but you're not doing the will of God, again, Satan is right there. (coughs) And it's another religious event. It's another religious thing. And I think we really need to stop changing this, that midweeks and services are not just another religious event because it's not a relationship with God. A relationship with God is doing what God wants. That's how we have a great relationship with God. We are chosen to be the light (coughs) as we call ourselves followers of Jesus. So it's time that we change and really start living out the call. So in closing, I'm going to give you some challenging practicals. Practical number one. What do you need to do practically for this to happen? You need to dive deeper. Way, way deeper. Not into the ocean, but into your Bible. Amen? Amen. You need to dive deeper into your Bible, sisters. 
way deeper, way more fulfillment. Spiritual food needs to be way healthier, way better, and needs to really be able to sustain you like it sustained Jesus. Because if we're feeling religious at the moment, then you're not being deep enough in your Bible. Because the Bible is a moment of awe. It's a moment of awe of God. And you need to find out what God loves, even for disciples. Find out, again, all the commandments. I'll send a photo on the group app where the 50 commandments are um, listed from the New Testament. But only if you're really going to check yourself if you are doing all of them. You cannot just go, I'm doing this commandment of God, this commandment of God. Then I would advise you to look again at John 12 where it says you need to do all commandments to be pleasing to God. And John 15 as well, amen? Sorry, John 14. If you love me, you obey all my commandments. So study that out, really, what does God command? Point number two, practical, sorry, practical number two. Improve your prayer from a religious prayer to really start pouring out your heart to ask God for that change, change that you really desire, you have been going like against it, like, oh, I want to change. Yeah, you say it, but you're not doing it. Oh, I really want to change. Yeah, well, you need to fight harder for that change. And again, think about the Judah story or go and fight, box yourself. Don't box the tree in the park. Get broken. Get really, really kicked, ticked off. Get angry that you want to change and you want to have better prayers. Yeah. So then when you don't have them, get mad that you didn't have a good prayer and change. Point number three. Uh, sorry, practical number three. Become a teacher like Jesus. To make a difference in people's life, to help people out of Satan's grip in churches and in the world, we need more women that want to preach and teach other women. Yeah. We really need more teachers. Because we can have all this knowledge and we can have our own salvation and we can be feeling good ourselves in our lives. Like, oh, we have such a great relationship with God. Yeah, but that's not to keep for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus was a teacher. A preacher. He lived it. If we imitate Jesus to have that relationship with God, we need to really be a teacher and a preacher of the word. Amen? Amen. And I can put for, for you this. The church is looking for interns, female interns. They even want to maybe might be able to pay you some for it because they only have a lot of men, but they also want some female yeah. interns. Right. Young people. Sorry, I'm, uh, I, I, I might be already too. I might have children. When the time is ready, I might become... You know, also on staff. But interns are for young people that really want to be trained to really become a great teacher and a great preacher. To lead studies, to really go after things. It is open. There's a vacancy. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's really, really important that we are stepping up. I mean, Hilary and I are leading studies at the moment. Um, We're both going to have the baby. We want to do a lot, but we'll probably be a little bit out of the, you know, of the, of the whole game. Yeah. Not out, out. We'll still be in the <laughs> But I'm not sure if we're going to be able to make an evening study after study. So it's really time for a lot of you to raise up, to really, really take on the challenge of, I'm going to do my first principles. I'm going to study them until I know them from front to back, back to front, um, all the way through, but really with passion, a zeal for wanting to teach people and wanting to make a difference in this life. So that's how you have a great relationship with God. And I love you all. And I pray you're going to go after this.
we would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast if you would like video versions of these episodes whether it's sermon highlights or interviews feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our youtube channel that's londonchurch.org.uk that's l-o-n-d-o-n-c-h-u-r-c-h dot org dot uk and for all other updates and information whether it's services events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one